0: To keep the bastards honest, the podcast of the Australian Democrats. I'm your host, Alana Mitchell, and on this episode, we answer a listener's question. This is a special bonus episode and the start of our new Q and A segment. It's all thanks to listener Aaron Crooks, who wrote into us and asked if we'd consider doing a Q and A segment on the podcast to answer listeners' questions. So, of course, we said yes. Aaron has achieved instant new favorite status with his suggestion as well as earning the right to ask the first question. If there's anything about Australian politics or government or even about the Democrats you want to know but were afraid to ask, then don't be afraid. Email your questions to info@democrats.org.au and we'll put our research hats on and answer them for you. Steve and I pay our respects to the traditional owners of the lands upon which we recorded this episode and their elders past and present. Sovereignty never ceded. As well as asking us to start a new segment, which was amazing, Aaron also came pre-prepared with a question, which was very, very helpful of him. And his question was, now he, he would like to point out that he has not had to worry about student debt because he's not a student, but his question is, in regard to student debt, is there anything that the government can do to fix it, or is it unavoidable? That was a great question. Thank you, Aaron.
1: Yeah, thanks, Aaron. The, uh, like the whole topic of, of student debt came up in April and May as a result of high inflation when the time approached for the annual indexation of HECS and HELP debts came up. So those things are, are indexed on the 1st of June and they're indexed according to inflation at the time. There's no interest charged on a HECS debt. So just to explain, if you're not sort of clear on HECS and HELP, if you go and study A course at university in Australia, you can basically borrow the money for your uh, course fees under the HECS or HELP programs, Higher Education Loan Program, Higher Education, whatever the CS stands for.
0: Hello, editing Alana here. The phrase that Steve is stuck on is Higher Education Contribution Scheme. Now, the difference between HECS and a HELP loan is that HECS applies to what are called Commonwealth-supported places at universities, and a Commonwealth-supported place is where the government pays for part of your tuition and you pay the rest. A HELP loan covers for fee places, so places at universities where the government doesn't pay for part of your tuition. How much the government pays for a Commonwealth Supported Place will vary depending on the course you're doing. There doesn't, doesn't seem to be a set amount. Anyway, hope that helps clarify. Back to the podcast.
1: But the idea is that you've got a mechanism whereby you can you can borrow the money to cover your course fees instead of being stuck with them up front, which would limit the number of people who could actually afford to go to university. So, in itself, that sounds like a fine idea. And there's a whole argument around, you know, education should be free right across the board and we'll come to that in a little bit. But that is the program. There's no interest charged. So, there's no rate of interest that's charged on, on those uh, student debts but they are indexed according to inflation. So each year on the 1st of June, whatever the inflation rate is, your student debt is is indexed. And inflation's high at the moment. It was running at 8% over the, over the summer and it had come down marginally to 7 odd percent. And there were some concerns from people that in the midst of a cost of living crisis and in the midst of this sort of inflationary crisis, students with a debt were going to be hit with thousands of dollars in additional debt as a result of this indexation, and there were calls to do something about it. And there were a few things that they could do. It's obviously we're recording this well past the first of June, so boiler alert. They did nothing. But Aaron's Aaron's question sort of talks to what might the government have done to help students who were about to face this sort of large increase. And there's there's really a few things that they might have done. So the first is to not index this year at all. And there are all sorts of circumstances under which the government defers indexation on things, both for its own gain and for the gain of of others. We've had instances in the past where the age pension was uh, sort of paused. We paused the indexation. They paused the indexation on the, uh, you know, funding for for various um, arts and, and cultural institutions, for example, when it suits them, when they don't want to pay more, you know, like they simply don't pay the extra that would normally be required under normal operating conditions. We paused the fuel excise last year, you may recall, in the midst of that sort of early run of increased fuel prices as a result of the war in Ukraine and, and the inflation that that kicked off, the government always has the choice of pausing or deferring these indexation rates. That's one thing that they could have done. They could have also simply indexed by the target range of inflation. So, the Reserve Bank has a target inflation range of 2 to 3%. The government could have chosen to simply say, look, we're going to index it at 2.5% instead. That's the bit that we're going to do. They could have forgiven a portion of the student debt. So this is what the um, Biden administration did when he first came to power in 2021. There was a student loan forgiveness program where they were they might even still be fighting to get it through Congress, to be honest. But the idea was simply that they forgive up to $50,000 of student debt, so, which may not be the full amount of debt incurred by a student during the course of their studies, but it's a significant amount and it's a significant saving for a, for a student, obviously. They could have done something similar here. And then the last one, of course, is that they forgive the entirety of the debts and just sort of wipe the slate clean and, and then look at free education for everybody or whatever else you might do. That was another option, that's obviously the more extreme option on the table, and they chose not to do any of them. So, essentially, at the end of the day, the Labor government simply set back, allowed the indexation to take place, which it did on the 1st of June. It's it's worth just noting that this year, the indexation was 7.1%, which is high, but in line with inflation, obviously, as the as the definition suggests. Last year, it was 3.9%. Back when inflation wasn't quite so out of control, and in 2021, it was only 0.6%. You may remember that inflation for a little while was under that 2% target, and it was sort of hovering around between 0 and 1%. Prices were almost going backwards during the, during the pandemic. So it is a significant increase on what students have experienced in, in recent history.
0: Yeah, and I think in the justifiable anxiety about suddenly being hit with a seven percent increase on your student loan, you know, people have overlooked the fact that for a number of years now, the Reserve Bank was struggling to get inflation into its target range. It was bumbling along quite far below the two, you know, the two two percent threshold. And students benefited from that. And nobody was going, we're not paying enough on our student debt. We're making it like bandits by not having massive increases. And I'm not suggesting that students should have been volunteering to pay more. I benefited from a HELP loan. My loan was indexed. I've been fortunate enough to have been able to pay it off because it was some years ago. But I think the mini hysteria about the sudden 7% uh, inflation-related increase then sort of got caught up in the debate over Should we make education free? And I feel like those are two separate issues in a lot of ways. They
1: very much are. Yeah. There's another aspect in there, Elena, if if I may. There's another aspect in there, which is that there's the element of it that says, should tertiary education be free? Should education be free across the board? And we tend to think of education as a cost in recent Australian history, whereas we should absolutely be thinking of it as an investment in our ability to function as a society and to make progress. And not just to make progress in economic terms or technological terms, but make progress in terms of our agricultural capacity, in our cultural capacity, in our creative capacity, in our capacity to perform and to produce creative works of art. Like all of those things benefit from a good, easily accessible, free-to-wall education system, whether it's research into our understanding of the way the world and the universe works, all the way through to our ability to compose the next opera or choreograph the next ballet or produce the next masterpiece. All of that benefits from the ability of our citizens to access an education. And for that education not to be valued only in terms of its ability to make an economic return. And this is one of the things about student debt. Because it's sitting there, people focus on an education that will generate the salary that will allow them to pay off the debt rather than what society really needs and what makes for a rich and thriving society is an educated populace that's able to do much, much more than just generate an economic return. So it's a good debate to have. It's a good argument that says, let's just allow people to pursue their interests. Let's uh, allow them to access the sort of education and the sort of research and the sort of uh, access to knowledge and resources that allows them to to do as much as they can, I think that's a wonderful idea and I'm absolutely up for that debate. As you say, though, that's different from how do we handle this indexation issue and how do we handle the cost of those student debts? One of the interesting things, though, that did come up that I I would like to just mention because... I was surprised to hear this, and I think anyone who still holds a a hex debt is rightly pissed off about it. When you or I take out a a loan, for example, we take out a loan and we pay it off weekly or fortnightly or monthly, right? And at the end of each month, the bank will calculate the interest that we owe based on the balance at the end of the month or at the end of the the year, right? So, I've got a $10,000 loan. I pay off $500 this month. It takes it down to nine thousand five hundred dollars, and then the bank says, "Well, okay, the interest on nine thousand five hundred dollars is," and they add that back onto the onto the loan, and I and I pay it down over time. When it comes to a student loan, however, each time I get paid, whether it's weekly, fortnightly, or monthly, depending on my employer, it gets recorded against my hex debt. So I start out the year with ten thousand dollars. Due to my employment, I pay weekly. Say I'm receiving weekly pay packet. I pay, you know, $50 every week, $2,500, $2,600 that I've paid by the end of the year. At the end of the year, when this indexation kicks in on the 1st of June, the government says, well, you owed us $10,000, so the indexation on that is 7.1%, so we're going to throw $710 on back onto your debt, so you now owe us $10,710, oh, and look at this, you paid off $2,500 through the course of the year, so we will now deduct that from the total. What? They calculate the indexation before they give you credits for any of the payments you've made through the course of the year. It is the only place where you have that debt where they calculate interest like that, and I think that's pretty shitty.
0: That's appalling. And I for language, people. That, that is bullshit.
1: I was stunned when I found that out. I was just like, "How? how is that even possible? If I'm making fortnightly payments through my salary, how is it that the government basically sits on that money and then indexes the total and then subtracts off the principal? Like, that's, that's bananas. That doesn't happen anywhere. No.
0: And I, what I want to know, and I, I, I'm building up a head of steam on this, is so I'm, I'm paying mm-hmm. 50 bucks a week. Toward my hex debt. And that's taken out of my tax automatically, right? I don't have a choice in that matter. That just gets handled automatically through the tax system. That's correct. So it's sitting, I'm assuming, sitting with the tax office, because you know, it's real money. It's not, it's not, the it's whole not time. numbers in a in a computer system. It's it's technically it's real money. So what's it doing? Like, is it sitting in an offshore bank account, gather, you know, earning interest for the ATO and for the earning,
1: government? Earning interest. Yeah. Earning interest for the government, yeah. what it's doing, and, and which you they... get no credit for. That's correct.
0: Yeah. Yes. That is bollocks. Yes. yes. To the barricade, Steve. This is outrageous. I was
1: I was really surprised. So, if there was anything that we were going to do, that would be one of the first things that I would do about student debt, is change that mechanism so that the student debt was, was reduced the moment. The, the payment was made yeah. now as an employer so I, I i run a small business i have staff i've over the years i've had a number of staff who've had hex debts it's on their tax declaration form when they become an employee do you have a hex debt yes or no it's then calculated automatically by our account system when payroll gets paid it's deducted automatically from that person's payment they never see it their their net pay is just Reduced by that amount, it goes straight off to the to the ATO with little streaks that says this much is for the hex debt, right? Like that happens automatically, and it happens every time they get paid. Yeah, there's no reason for it not to come off the principle of the loan straight away. Yeah,
0: because if they took out an actual loan from a bank or whatever to to it's pay for their, their fees, absolutely, that's the how the loan would work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yep,
0: and and sure, the government could probably argue. Well, look, we only apply not interest, but we imply indexation to that loan once a year. Mm-hmm. Whereas a commercial loan, you're cobbing an interest once a month as they recalculate, you know. Uh, interest is calculated daily, but applied monthly on on commercial loans. Sure. Sure. But also you bast you bastard <laughs> you bastards are earning interest on my money that I have given to the tax office over the course of the year. Because you've not applied it to my help debt.
1: Yes, and let's not forget that that money was an investment yeah. in our society in the first place, rather than a cost. Yes. So. Yeah, Aaron, I hope that covers the gist of the question. So from, from our perspective, number one is to change the way that, that indexation is calculated so that any money that you've paid off through the course of the year is deducted before it gets indexed on what's, what's remaining. And then other things like, how do you account for some of these more wild fluctuations in the amount so that there's less of an impulse during times that are already difficult for people.
0: Yeah, because we we should point out that hex and help fees or or loans or whatever the hell, whatever we want to call them, they weren't always indexed. That's something that the Howard government brought in. And again, because of inflation, one of the ways in which countries reduce their national debt is through inflation because as inflation rises, the debt shrinks, and that was what was happening to Hex and help debts. Because Can't you don't start that. paying it off immediately. You know, while you're studying, you're just growing this debt. And then there's mm-hmm. you know, ideally a period after you graduate that where the threshold for your salary is high enough that you're you're off earning money and, and applying the knowledge that you acquired at university. But, that, but you haven't quite met the, th- the salary threshold to then actually be required to start paying that debt back. And so yeah. over that period, the value of that debt shrank and Howard felt that that was uh, unacceptable and so he then applied indexation so that your, your debt kind of kept yeah. kept pace with you as your earning ability increased. Yeah.
1: That has the, the effect of essentially favouring richer students So, those who can just pay their fees up front, they they essentially save that money and they save that interest charge. They were also given a discount on their fees. So, when HEX was introduced, you could either pay the fees, I think you paid maybe 15% less, so you would get a discount. Uh, If you had to borrow the money, it was was borrowed and then indexed over time and would increase over time. So, if you were a poorer student and need to rely on that debt, sure, you gain access to the education, it does weigh on you and it does act as a drag. Later on. Yeah. So like there's there's all sorts of regressive elements to it. As I say, it also pushes people or has a tendency to push people towards degree programs that will give them a job that will help them pay off this debt mm-hmm. so it's not hanging over them, which in itself is not necessarily a healthy thing. More recently the government changed the cost of certain programs so that some University programs attracted even higher levels of hex debt than others. It tended to be so that students were job ready, uh, and again, that sort of overly reinforces this economic notion of a of a university education, which really isn't and shouldn't be the point of it. Yeah. But there we go. Student debt.
0: Yeah, the issue of equity in education is a big one because mm. one of the, as, as you pointed out, like one of the challenges of a a free education is that it, it's the people who are going to benefit the most from it are rich people. Yes, obviously a free education is going to help them, that's no question? But there are a number of costs associated with going to university that weigh more heavily on lower income people than they do on rich kids. So rich kids can yeah. probably afford to stay at home, rent free, have their parents sort of help cover the cost of their tuition and the cost of having to actually study, whereas Poorer students, they're probably having to work part time. They're probably having to rent. They're probably you know. So there is an argument that rather than give than make tuition free, invest money in leveling the playing field, in making it easier to actually study. So give lower income people more financial support so that they have stable housing, they can afford to live on something slightly more nutritious than two minute noodles, all that sort of stuff. You know. So free education. And yes, Australia did have free education for a while. Whitlam brought it in, then it was taken away by Fraser, I think. And a lot of the the, uh, the politicians who have raised the cost of particularly humanities degrees and things in, in the lead up to the last election, they benefited from that free education. And it, it's a really attractive image to sort of paint them as Having benefited from free education, they're then sort of yanking the, not only just yanking the ladder up behind them, they're kicking people in the face as they try to climb up that ladder. But free education to me is is, you know, it's it's a nice, populist, simple solution to what is an incredibly complex problem. And it's doesn't necessarily actually solve that problem. And because it's not, you know, it's not the cost of of your of your course fees that's the huge barrier. It's access to university at all. Mm-hmm. It's being able to actually go and study. That's the huge barrier for lower-income people. Yeah. So I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> That's, you got That's an additional it. rant there, Aaron. Again, thank you so much. And if anyone else has a burning question that they would like Steve to go off and research for them and answer, uh, send it in to us at info at and uh, we'll put him to work. My thanks again to Aaron for his suggestion on the segment and for his question. I hope we answered it for you. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, how HEX came to be, whether it's still fit for purpose in 2023 and the issue of accessibility to higher education and even the funding of educational institutions is a podcast topic all of its own, which I'm sure we'll come back to at some stage. There's a tonne of things we still need to talk about. The finding of corruption against Gladys Berejiklian, the handing down of the Royal Commission report into robo-debt, and the Fadden by-election, to name a few. So stay tuned. Keep the Bastards Honest is brought to you by the Australian Democrats. This episode was edited and produced by me, Alana Mitchell. If you'd like to keep in touch, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn by searching for Australian Democrats and you can see what we stand for, what we value and what our policy positions are at our website at democrats.org.au. Until next time, thanks for listening.